Welcome to the 9 to 5 Killers podcast, an explorative and insightful journey inside the minds of some of the most successful entrepreneurs who have killed their day jobs to pursue their passions. Streets raise me, born in the 80s, baby. Lord save me, cause today I'm going crazy with this bullshit. Bullshit, bullshit, crazy with this bullshit. Bullshit, bullshit. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 4 of the 95 Killers Podcast. I'm your host, Glenn Graham. Today, our guest is an actress, entrepreneur who realized the need to fill the void for quality cosmetics, especially for women of color. President and CEO of a highly competitive business, Veramore Cosmetics. She gained national recognition as one of the first black actresses to be contracted on a national television show when she portrayed Linda on Another World Soap Opera for 12 years. Ladies and gentlemen, allow me to introduce Ms. Vera Moore to the show. Vera, welcome to the show. Good to meet you. Well, thank you so much for having me. I sincerely, I'm very excited about this. This is exciting. <laughs> so thank you so much. I, you know, things happen for you to invite me to your podcast and, and to Velvet to even tell me about it. So it's, you know, networking works, doesn't it? No, it does. And and it's something that, that uh, so I want to, I have so much to ask you, but I want to start out with family and so tell me a little bit about your family life, like brothers and sisters, your parents, where are they from? And, and yeah, okay. I'd love to hear that, some that, of that. That's, uh, that's where I like to start because that's my foundation. Well, uh, I had uh, seven people, seven children. My mother had seven children, five brothers and one sister. And uh, I was the baby. And, you know, I came from a very poor family. Some black people say po, but we were po, but I didn't know I was po until later on. I'll tell you about that. Um, and uh, my mother was a domestic worker. My father was a porter. My father uh, scrubbed floors in the trains and things like that. And my mother had a third grade education. My father learned how to read from the Bible. But, you know, my mom and dad always told me the importance of knowing, yes, you can. You can do it. That's where I got that from, that mindset. This is not something new that just happened, you know, recently. Everybody has the mindset now and everybody's saying, yes, they can. And everybody's saying more than enough. My mother taught me from early that we were always more than enough. She just did that. She was from the South. They were from Georgia. <clears throat> Excuse me. And we lived in a poor neighborhood. So she always told me, don't worry about where you live. You know, and she, I came from a Christian home, too. So we had that undergirding faith. She, we always had that faith. So I got to put that in there because that sustained me. So she would say, don't worry about where you're coming from. You know, be proud of who you are. And I, I, that, that resonated with me, and I never, I never changed. And that's why people, well, how do you do these things? How do you do this? It was my mom. She always taught me, don't worry about it. We lived in Corona, Queens, which wasn't a great neighborhood, you know. And that's how I, that's how I made it. And I didn't know I was poor until I got older. Because when I, you know, it's true, I've never been hungry. Now, you know how I say I'm hungry. You know, now, we said, girl, I'm hungry. No, no, I mean never hungry. Because domestic work, listen, you know black people know how to fry chicken, bake <laughs> chicken, stew chicken, make soup, make spaghetti, whatever, and cornbread, grits, whatever. So I, I always ate. We were always full. And I never, I've always had clothes because my mother, she could sew. And my aunt worked in the zipper factory. So she, my mother was the type, she said, girl, come over here, turn around. I, I don't need no pattern. Okay, I'll make you something. And she'd make it. I'm scraps and gorgeous. She was a designer, I guess. You would call her a, a couture designer, but I didn't know it. I didn't even know what the word couture was. <laughs> the only reason why I knew I was poor, because as I got older, I remember that I used to go to school with a hole in my shoe. And my mother used to put cardboard in it. And I said, you know what? I must have been poor. Because I, I went to school with a hole in my shoe, cardboard in it. Right, you didn't know, you didn't know then, but you, you said. But as, I realized as a, now, after I got right, older, right. I realized, and then I found out later we were on welfare for a certain period of time. And it wasn't, you know, just to get us through the flood, so to speak. But I, but that hole in the shoe came to me, and I said, "Wow, I was poor." <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I never knew that because that wasn't our mindset. That that wasn't what we were taught. And we were, and I'll talk about this racism. I just want to bring this in, if I may, real quick. Yeah, let me just, um, let me just uh, start mm -hmm. this real quick. Mm -hmm. Hold that thought. Let me start, start this. Finally got it. Yes, I'm ready. Now, 
and you know, I just want to segue this in real quick, then I'll go back to growing up and what happened. We were never taught that you can't do because you're black. We were never taught to hold your head down. We were taught, look the person in the eye and say what you have to say. We were, so I really didn't know. I mean, I know it now, but I mean, we weren't taught, don't play with that little boy because he's white or don't play with that little girl because she's whatever. We were never taught that. Maybe that's where I had that fire because I never felt inferior. I never felt that. Like, where did I get the guts and the grit? I was just taught, try it. If you don't make it, you don't make it. So I went to PS143. And then I went to PS one twenty seven. Then I went to Flushing High School. Wait, PS one twenty seven isn't that in, in, in East Elmhurst? East Elmhurst. I know that. That's okay, that's the school. Yeah. I could walk there from because it was Corona East Elmhurst. And then I went to one twenty seven. Now I didn't go to college. Um, I took a commercial course in Flushing High School. Why? Because there's always a why. Because I knew I had to work. I knew I had to help my mom and dad. I was very close to my mother, and so I took shorthand stenography. I knew I could get a job. You do shorthand stenography then. I mean, maybe people don't know what stenography, everything is computer now, but steno. Yeah. So I took that and in your senior class, the federal government would send people around and the city, the agencies, for people that want to get jobs, which was great. So I said, I told my mother, she said, well, take the test. So I took the test and I got it. So I graduated in June. July 4th, right after the first week of July, I had a job at Bowling Green Wall Street working for the federal government. I was ecstatic because I knew I could help my mother, save a little money, bring a little bit of money home, you know, just do what I had to How do. How were you then? Like, what, what, what age were you at that I point? Was, I was young, 17. 17. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, 17. You, so you're working there. Is there anything that happened at that job at some point? Because you loved the job, but is there anything that made you feel limited and made you want to work for yourself? Did that come later? No, let me tell you what happened. That's, okay. that's an excellent question. So I got the job at the federal government. When I first went there, we were in this big pool. A pool is like a lot of people working in the same room. It's shorthand stenographers. And I always wanted to elevate myself. I always wanted to go for more. I, that was just, my mother always gave that to me. Don't worry about where you go. Strive for the best. So I said, you know, I don't want to be in this pool with all these people down here. I want to go on the third floor. Now, the third floor was the lawyer and the secretary. So I said, I want to go on the third floor. So federal government, you got to take tests. Everything city got to take a test. GS1s or 5s, I don't know. So I took a test. Got it. And I said, you know, I was a little nervous. I said, I'm going to take the test. If, you don't, if I don't get it, I don't get it. Took the test, got it. Went up to the third floor. Mm-hmm. Now the third floor was just you and the lawyer. So I remember, I'll never forget, I said to this lawyer, the lawyer that I was working for, not right away, you know, got to building relationships, getting to know him, letting him getting to know me, integrity, you know. So I one day I said to him, I will never forget, I said, Mr. Greenberg, you know, I want to be in the theater. Do you mind if I go to my uh, auditions on my lunch hour? This is why it's so important to build a relationship. That's the key. That's the key to any business relationship. Now, he said, you're okay. Now, I don't know if he was taking me serious. So I said, okay, thank you very much. So what I did, I went to my auditions on my lunch hour. Now, Bowling Green, Wall Street, it takes an hour to get up Midtown to where you had to audition for theater. So I was late sometimes, and I ate my lunch on the train coming back. And the relationship is so key. I say that because sometimes I was late, but we grew so fond of each other. He said, look, Vera, can you come in early or come in late if I miss something because I was late? I'll never forget that because he could have said no. And then when would I have, when would I have auditioned? So uh, one day I came back and he said, did you get it? I said, no, I didn't get it. I didn't get it. But it's also about patience, endurance, perseverance. It took me five years. I went back and forth for five years auditioning on my lunch hour, eating lunch on the train, chuck full of nuts from Midtown, 42nd at 8 or 52nd, wherever the audition was, wherever my agent said to go, back to Bowling Green, Wall Street, Customs House for five years. Tenacity, perseverance. One day I came back and he said, did you get it? Yes. Ooh, how did that feel when you got it? What did it feel like? I was so grateful. I, I mean, I mean, I, because I, well, I never was going to give up anyway, but five years is a long time, guys. Come on. Mm-hmm. Let's be serious here. You get a little despondent, a little discouraged, a little disappointed. But I had I had a vision. I had a mission. I was going to work five years, save my money because I wanted to go into the theater. But you have to have a plan. You have to have a strategy. 
So my strategy was to get that government job, take that job. When they came out, who wants to take this test? I took the test. Don't be afraid to take another test to scale up. Always remember, if you don't get it, you don't get it. If, so what? No means the next opportunity. N O next opportunity. No, you're right. And what did you? What did you? What did you land? What was that first role? What okay. did you land? All and right. so when I tell left, me about it. When I left, I told me yes, I was leaving. My first role was um, South Pacific. Wait, Jones so you, so you left the job? Yeah. Well, so let okay. me say, I forgot to yeah. say this. Wait, wait. <laughs> so they said, well, you're gonna leave. Well, so what are you gonna do? I said, I'm gonna quit. So the big supervisor, who, who was very nice to him, Mr. Blacker, he said it was Mel's boss. You're gonna leave a federal government job here annually, sick leave, all this stuff for, for six weeks of work, and you've been here five years? Are you kidding me? Because it was summer stock. Now, let me explain what summer stocks for those that maybe don't know what summer stock is. Summer stock is what actors do during the summer to try to get in the union. So they'll take jobs wherever it is. You might have to go away for summer. You might have to go to California, all over, just to work for those six weeks. And during those six weeks, you'll get your equity card. And your equity card then allows you to audition for Broadway. In a, in a union call because they're cattle calls and I've gone to many cattle calls where your number could be 200 and you have to wait and you I'm doing this on my lunch hour for five years you know that's why I was always late so the first job I got was right here in Long Island Jones Beach so thank God I didn't have to go away I could stay home and I was very ecstatic about that all right so after that I auditioned for Broadway Pearly Victorious uh, Melbourne Moore, Tony Ward winning Melbourne Moore. Fabulous, fabulous voice. She was fantastic. So I was on Broadway for three and a half years. And then the musical director, Howard Roberts, uh, which was very, very nice. And he said, you know what? You got to know him. You know, you're building relationships, being on time, having integrity, do what you're supposed to do. And people see that. He says, look, I'm going to California. Um, I'm going to be directing the Leslie Uggam show. Does anybody want to go with me? Duh. Yes, yes. I went to California. I stayed out there for about a year and a half, being the background singer for Leslie Uggams on her show. Wait, wait, so you were singing. Wait, so we got to tell me, where did you learn how to sing? Oh, I forgot to tell I grew up in church singing. Okay, I didn't I know that. I grew up in church singing. Okay, so you had a background in church. So I was like, how did she, what did she, I thought it was an act, so you got the singing in the performance. Sing, singing, gotcha. singing was my thing. I used to sing. <laughs> yeah, I sang. That, I wasn't supposed to do that. Right? No, that's fine. I like right. that. So, no, my singing, my, I used to sing in church. I used to sing in the choir. I sang in school. I just loved to sing. That's why I wanted to be in the theater. I wanted okay. to sing. And so you got that chance. I got so, that chance with so, Pearly Victorious. So when South you were Pacific. singing, so when you were singing in there, what, describe the film. Did your parents ever come see you perform? My parents came to see me. That's a, that's a real strange question. Not strange, but not often. They came once or twice because... I came from a Pentecostal background and they didn't, it wasn't theater, wasn't, it wasn't about them for them. They never stopped me, but that wasn't their cup of tea. Did they see it as a, did you make, did they see it as a job or did they see it as like you, did they, were they supportive or did they see it like as you just were playing around? No, they were supportive they for supported. me. Okay. But from, a, from, I'll say, I'll, I'll clarify it from, a, from, I don't like to use the word religious, from a relationship that, that, that the church didn't go to theater. They didn't go to movies. You know, they was, they were. I don't know if you know what Pentecostal, they're just... If you was on a choir, it would have been better, but because you're yes. in a... In a, in, in a okay. theater. Yes. It makes yes. sense. That's what yes. it was. But they never said, they always said, do, do what your heart wants you to do. Okay. And don't be afraid to try it. So after the Leslie, after Leslie Yugham show, I came back to New York and I was on, um, I traveled with Kathleen Battle, the opera singer, Trimonisha. Well, how'd before. you land that one? I auditioned. You auditioned. Constantly auditioning, agents sending you for things, you're auditioning. And that's what actors do. They audition. But you see, this is one another thing, too. I tell people, you have to hone your skills in between your gigs. You right. can't sit back. Well, I, I was working in Pearly. Now Pearly's closed. So what do you do? You better get in those class. Okay. Just like dancers. Dancers never stop. They are dancing. They're dancing in the street on the way to their gig. You know, mm -hmm. you have to hone your skills. So, and, and then when you hone your skills, you meet people. Well, where did you get that mindset? A lot of things you're talking about here, you make it sound so simple, but it's a mindset. Where did you get the mindset to do that? Like, I'm curious, I'm sitting yeah. here wondering, because even now, right, you, you are, you have this makeup line, we're going to get into that. Yeah. But what keeps you going every day? Like, the thing that you've already accomplished, what makes you not stop? Well, first of all, two questions. Two questions. Where do I get the mindset? My mom. That you can do it no matter what. No matter where you come from. No matter where you live. She never said you can't do it because you're black. No, we never even heard that. Go for it. You know, 
you know, it's it, it's not even like, you know, we black people range from white to blue black. So it's not like I was light skinned on somebody and they thought I was white or was another. No, black. <laughs> I went because I knew I could. I was told to to hone your skills, work hard, try it. You have nothing to lose. So that's where the mindset was. Mm-hmm. And then I continue. What was the second part? What was it? The second part is what makes you not stop because. Oh, yeah. yes. Well. You know what? Can I tell you what I did? Why it makes me not stop? Yeah. All right. So, I I did. Well, I finished the Broadway shows, and then I got an opportunity to go in another world, the soap opera. This was wait huge. another world. That's the soap opera. My mom used to watch that. Well, Lord, she probably knows me then. Tell oh. me, tell me, I was the only black one on there, so she know me. Another world. We had an opportunity. There was a big casting call from the east to the west coast. Everybody was coming to New York, NBC, Channel Four, big time. This is national television. For another world, they were this was their first black family on an hour show. That's big. That's big. So the agent said, "Well, you know, they're auditioning for another world. Where I'm submitting you." I said, "Okay, listen, I've been preparing myself all this time for this big break. Not that Broadway's not a big break. Broadway's huge, but this is national television." So I auditioned, and I, I'm saying fast forward. It wasn't that easy because you had to go back and forth. You had to read. You had to look a certain way. You had to, you know, read and back and forth. So I got it. So I was one of the first black families on another world, on another world, NBC Channel 4. Now, the issue is this. When you're in theater, it's bigger than life. So the makeup is heavy and the, he- and the makeup's bigger than life. It's heavy. I mean, you got the balcony, the orchestra, doesn't matter. You know, you have to make up on. But when you're on a soap opera, when you're, when you're on a television show, it has to be on point because you're right in their living room. You turn that TV on, they see you. And they did the best they could with what they had, which was insufficient. The makeup was oily, greasy, red, and rubbed all off on your clothes. And underneath those hot lights, the makeup really would run. And here I was, a nurse, Linda Metcalf, and I'd say, good afternoon, Dr. Matthews' office, may I help you? And it was all over the phone, the makeup. And I had a white uniform and sometimes was on my clothes. So that was the genesis of Vera Moore Cosmetics. I was going to ask That's you that. That's why I did it, because there was a total void in the market for quality products for black women. And, I, you know, we do black women, women of color, et cetera. But I, I focused on the black woman because my, my, my thing was for the black woman of a darker hue. The pitch black woman. Do you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. she had so, let, let me let me clarify this now because I don't want anybody to call me. Ladies, anybody, if the shoe doesn't fit, don't wear it. Mm-hmm. I'm talking to those that know what I'm talking about and can identify it. And most of you know because we started our line in 1979, okay? Yeah. So there you got a lot of self-esteem issues. Oh, Vera, um, well, let me jump in. <laughs> okay, so... That's the genesis of making, of creating the line. Now, how we did it was another story. We started off my husband's hair salon. Well, I want to stop you at that okay. point when you talked about the, because I know what you're talking about. I used to see people on the train, right? And I saw this woman one day on the train, beautiful woman, and the uh, about my complexion, mm-hmm. but I couldn't make out what color she was trying to match. Exactly. And it be, it's because I didn't know at the time. I was like, why does this lady look like, like, why doesn't she know that she looks like like that color is not natural on her body? Thank you, Jesus. Okay. So this is exactly what I, this, okay. this is why I did that. Okay. And I have to say, because I do a lot of things, you know, I just don't speak in front of black people. I have to let white people know that we range from white to blue black. So I'm emphatic to let you know we're God's bouquet of flowers. And there was such a low self-esteem issue with women that were dark. Mm-hmm. Like a Viola Davis or a Whoopi Goldberg or a Cicely Tyson. Do you understand what I'm saying? I know what you mean. Women at that particular time, there was really no makeup for them. And the makeup that was there, out there, was lousy. And if you were of a darker hue, they gave you, I'll just put it this way. Let's say, I'll just say, if you were chocolate, they give you chocolate makeup. Well, you don't need any chocolate. You needed a highlighter. You need a henna. Like the ladies understand how you luminize your hair or highlight your hair. And the people of darker hue came up muddy. They came up chalky. Let's say a darker person, but they came up ashy. So it wasn't right for them. But see, the major conglomerates and corporations didn't care. You weren't part. You Beauty was perceived white, blonde, and blue eyes. It wasn't perceived of a beautiful black woman, a gorgeous black girl. 
Well, you know what's funny? At that, around that time, wasn't, so I'm not familiar when Ebony and Jet and all that, those magazines came out. Where you, so was that around that time or was it before that? No, it was around that around time. That time. However, and you know, I'm, I'm not here to knock another line. No, no, I'm, I'm, no, no, I'm, I'm not even going to do that. It was around that time. But the line, and there was one line, major line out there for black people. Mm-hmm. And everybody knows what it is. But see, when you, you know, when you only have one choice, there's no choice. I like how you did that. Wait, I got to stop. I like how you did that. So something that you did just now, which I love, I'm not going to say any name. I didn't even know the name of the company, but you did something that a lot of people now don't do. They have another line and they realize that sometimes mentioning another line is like, you don't have to say anything. Your line speaks for itself. And I love how you just did. I just wanted to call because I I felt it and I wish more people would would follow that lead. Well, so and thank I'm, you. I'm not here to knock another line. I love it. I'm just trying to improve upon the existing On yours, line. yes. Exactly. I love that. To take it to another level, to scale up. So they did have one line out there. Everybody knows that line. They traveled all over with, with, with tours and with, you know, but when, you, when we only have one choice, you don't have a choice. So sometimes when you have a one choice, the quality sacrifices. But when you have choices, then people have to up their game. Yeah, you, you push each other. Exactly. So okay. let me ask you a question. So uh, in your opinion, um, with your line, what was some of the what was some of the things? Because you started this line. What was some of the things earlier on that? Because people sometimes they just tell you the highlights. I know where you're at now. I see your setup is beautiful. Where did you come from where you what was any, any bumps in the road? Some things that started that might have stopped you but didn't stop you. Anything in the beginning? Well, yeah. The yeah. reason why I persevered, like you said, what kept me going? What motivates me? You know, yeah, what motivates you? When we opened up um, after Billy's Place, we started in Billy's Place. The hair, my husband was a hairstylist for forever, really renowned, did, did celebrities. And just the people in our area, I said, let me try some makeup on you. I said, girl, Vera, I like this. This is nice. This is better than what I get at the, you know, the store, the department store. This is not heavy. It's not thick. I said, yeah, we're going to come out with a real nice line. That was feel, touching, feeling the market. But I already knew what the market was because I am the market. So I didn't need an immersion plan. I keep telling that people. I was the market. My background was all Here I am. So we had an opportunity to go into Green Acres Mall. We, we integrated Green Acres Mall. What year was that about? Like when, when was about that? About 1980. 1980, okay. Yeah, we, Green Acres Mall is a very prestigious mall on Long Island. Uh, and um, we shopped there. So I wanted to get in that mall. I heard they were renovating the mall, so I went over to the mall. Mindset, my mom. Where do I think little black girl going to Green Acres Mall, this major mall, you know, white men, white women. Um, I want to get in the mall. <laughs> I said, you know, I look back and say, how did I do all this? But I know how I did it. So they would say, well, okay, do you, ha- do you have a business? And yes, I have a cosmetic business. I did have a cosmetic. It was in, in the beauty parlor on Hillside Avenue, Jamaica. They didn't ask me how big it was. I had a business. So back and forth, back and forth. So they said, okay, we'll see. And, you know, okay, we're going to put you on the first floor. A year and a half goes by, back and forth. Then when I go back, you know, we have new management. Things change. You know, anytime dealing with black folks, things change. You know, there's no room on the first floor, Vera. So maybe we can revisit it another time. Well, when they say that, don't go for it. Don't revisit. Let's, let's. Let's be innovative and say how we can redo this. So they said, well, we have the second floor, but the second floor is the food court. Well, I didn't necessarily want to go in the food court. Right. But I always find the good. No matter what, I find the good. I said, okay, let's go see the second floor. Up on the second floor is major conglomerates, big, big stores, huge stores. So there wasn't anything for me. So they said, well, all we have is the bathroom of a, second, of a, of a big store. I said, well, let me see it. I went to see the bathroom of this big store. Well, guess what? The bathroom was the same size as my <laughs> store. going to be on the first floor, 10 by 10. Right. My store was going to be 10 by 10 no matter where it was. I said, I'll take it. I took the bathroom. Now, I don't know if they thought that was going to be a deterrent. When you say the bathroom, it wasn't an actual bathroom. It, it was It was. It was a, like a bathroom that they were going to make a bathroom. But they said it, they'll, get, they'll make it a store. They will make it for me. Okay, a store. Okay, got it. Persistence and got saying, it. Uh, no, I don't think so. We're not revisiting this. I waited two years for this. No, I don't think so. So what we did was we mirrored it. We mirrored the entire store. We were on the second floor. And it was difficult in the beginning. It was very, very difficult because we were up there. So I made a joke, French fries and lipstick. You know, got to find a good, got to find that. And it was very difficult because now I'm going to speak specifically to black people. Sometimes 
some of us don't think it's good unless it's white. Mm. No, we, we, you know, your, your, your stuff can't be as good as somebody else's stuff because you're black. That's their mindset. And by the time some black people support you, you're closed because they have to figure it out that it's good enough. I always say they always think yours, your ice is colder. That's their mentality. It's a mindset though, right? It's, it's, it's absolutely a mindset. It's a mind, so what, what I see with you and how your mother raised you, right? Some people's family didn't raise them that way. Exactly. So, and, and so I come across that all the time. You know, you must realize that. And what happens is people will say things like that. And then we, we stop them with your quality. Like I look at, I look at, I was looking at your makeup stuff on, on there and I'm like, it belongs in any store period the presentation Mm -hmm. because here's the thing that people and and this is a a topic that many people get um get mixed up they confuse perfection thinking that you want perfection with professionalism Mm -hmm. what i see is professionalism there Mm -hmm. not perfection Mm -hmm. and that's what that's what people miss they miss that little part and so when they look at your stuff and it's like oh well who do you think you are but i i could see it and i see the vision that's why we were talking and i was telling you certain things and usually people that know me well they push back on what i'm saying and i get quiet i'm like okay but i could see right away you understand where i'm going before i even get there you already you're you're finishing my sentences (laughs) i love when you do that connection that we're right here right here right here i love it but let me tell you what was so important to me Mm -hmm. and what kept me going I would have gone on the roof to break the color barrier. That's true. To integrate that mall, to be the first black in the mall, to level the playing fields for my grandchildren, for your grandchildren, for for the kids, the young kids, boys and men, to tell them you can do this. I don't care if this mall is all white. Mm-hmm. Did they tell that to Harry and Tubman? No, they didn't. Sir, Journey Truth? Well, what would they say? Well, we can't go. She would kill you first if you didn't want to go. Really? Carrie, tell me, you, you don't want to go after I did this, come back for you a hundred times, and now you're telling me, you, no, you're not going to jeopardize my whole thing for you. So I would have done that. And here we are. So I stayed on the, on the second floor for, for uh, 10 years. They kept me on the second floor for 10 years. After the 10 years, I renegotiated my contract, came down on the first floor, and I was on the first floor for 15 years. I was in Green Acres Mall, the first black tenant in the history of Green Acres Mall for 25 years. And people used to come to my counter. I'll never forget it. And that's why I said, look, guys, if you want to be an entrepreneur and you really mean it, you have to, it's not like a cold. You can't catch it. You know, they come to my booth with our kiosk and we had bar stools around. It was beautiful. Anything I do, I try to do the best. And I wanted a kiosk versus a cart. Now, you can get a cart where you move one day in your front of one store and one day in front of another store or Macy's or whatever. No, no. I want something that was a kiosk that was stationary so that they would know where I was. They wouldn't have to look for you. Exactly. Now, oh, where was Vera? Oh, last week, last Saturday, she was in front of Macy's. Now, this Saturday, she's in front of J.C. Penney. Oh, I don't know. They moved her down, way down. No, 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 no. You pay for that. So, so let me ask you a question. So... At what point did you start getting placement in places like Macy's and things like that? What was that? How did that come about? Okay. Well, let me just finish one thing about yeah, Green yeah, Eggs Mall. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Green Eggs Mall is so I'm important. So that, excited. Was, that was the beginning of opening the mindset for other people. Okay. To change their perception of themselves. They would come to the booth and say, girl, we're so glad you're here. Honey, I'm so glad to see you. Thank you. Je- I'm telling you what the people would say. Thank you, Jesus. You're here. I said, well, guess what? Now, you it's one thing getting here. It's another thing staying here. Support. And that's when the people would say to me, look at my skin. I said, look, we got we to talk about some skin care. Everybody, see, other lines will always push on black people. Cover it up. Just cover it. No one talked about cleaning it up. Clean the skin. You know, wash the skin. Exfoliate. They didn't know because nobody took the time. They didn't care. If they want to just make that sale. Buy that, buy that foundation and slap it on. But what happens when you take it off? See, our thing was, our mantra was skincare is the foundation. Makeup is an accessory. Because when you say foundation to a woman, she thinks you're talking about makeup. You know, the powder, the paint, the makeup. I don't talk about that. I said, you know what the foundation is? You know what your palette is? Keep it clean. And then you don't have to wear makeup if you don't want to. It's flawless. So I learned all of that and it, it extended me because I didn't know self-esteem was so low. You see, I was just blessed 
to have such wonderful mothers and fathers. I didn't realize that self-esteem was so low. It's, well, how do you perceive yourself? They say perception is real to the perceiver. Well, how do you perceive yourself? Just think about that. What is your perception of yourself? How do you see yourself? Well, I always saw myself as I can do it. You know, maybe I was just young and simple and immature, but that's the way I was raised. How, how did I think I could be the first black to go to Green Acres Mall, a major mall, <laughs> and say, I want to be in here. I want to break the color barrel. I want to level the playing fields. I want to be a pathfinder. Come on. It takes guts. But I always had that. How was I not intimidated that I went to school with a hole in my shoe? Well, I wasn't happy, but I didn't go there crying. I had a hole in my shoe, and I know my mother would get me some shoes later. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. That was the attitude. Well, those attitudes propel you. They fuel you. And I, my thing now is to let people know. Young, young girls would come to that mall, and I'd say, no, you go back home and button up your blouse. I don't care what the guys say. Now, I'm, now somebody's going to be mad about this. Or the guys would come with the... Pants hanging down. Who is going to hire you looking like that? And you, Miss Moore, can you help me fill out this application? Sure, come on over here. And see, when I got them over there, see, so you have to know how to talk to them. Listen, you got you got to pull your pants up, honey. You ain't going to get no job. You got ladies, we're not interested in seeing all that. You know, you, this is not a club. You're trying to get a job. Mm-hmm. But see, not everybody's going to talk to them like that. But I did. Because I'm a proud Black woman. I'm proud to be black. And I want to help my, I want to help my cheering, as they say. Mm-hmm. I want to help the young girls out there. And I want to say something now, and you're probably going to get calls about it. Maybe I'm from the old school. Mm-hmm. Stop letting guys call you B. What the heck is that? Mm-hmm. Now, or call me up and explain it to me. I, I don't know what, what benefit is be called a female dog. I don't get it. Right, but you know, also what we got to put out is, that they call each other that. This could be a whole nother topic. Mm-hmm. We gotta have to talk about this one. But what happens is, um, when 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 you allow somebody to do something, mm-hmm. it gives people the other thing to do it. Like I give you a quick example. I was at a job and and one I had on a hat and mm-hmm. a suit, mm-hmm. and this guy who was who was not black, mm-hmm. he said to me, "Oh, you looking like a pimp, right?" That's what mm-hmm. he said, right? And so he meant it as a compliment, right? So I really? pulled him to the side and I said, "I said, what makes you say that?" And he was like, no, I just thought it was, and I said, and I got another, an older gentleman, same, you know, religious man as well, pulled him over. I said, what do you think about my outfit? He said, you look sharp. Mm-hmm. I said, you, you heard what he said? Mm-hmm. I said, where'd you get that from? Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, he had worked in these um, underdeveloped neighborhoods in the summertime. And I said, how old were they in that neighborhood? Mm-hmm. He said, 15, 16. Mm-hmm. I said, so you let a 15 and 16 year old tell you, and how old are you? Oh, you 33? You let 15, 16 year old. And then as I said that to him, he said, I, I got your point. Yeah. The thing about it is he, you, that's what, that's what they think is cool. Mm-hmm. So, and you have to be very careful. I told him you have to be very careful because not everybody's going to do what I'm doing and take, I, I think you really just didn't understand. Yes, but ignorant. some people, yeah, some people would look at you different. So after that, we was cool. He's like, I was like, how's my outfit? He's like, you're looking sharp. Yeah. That's how a man well, talks. that's the mindset. You see, you how change man talks. his perception. Yeah. So you look like a bit, you, you were looking great. I was like, he, what was that? I was like, for exactly. me, it, but for, for a minute, for yeah. a minute, you know, I was like, and really? I said, I, yeah. I was like, okay, let me, let me, let me, let me ask questions. Cause I wanted to make sure yeah. before you, you know, cause what happens is we, somebody says it and then people are thinking, oh, I want to be in. So I'm so he was trying to be in and he was like, okay, these guys are, are black. Glenn's black. Mm-hmm. He's cool. I want to show him that I know the latest. And yes. and it yeah. almost turned into something else. Yes. And then yes. I slowed down and I said, and I'm telling you, after that, he always brings it up when I see him. Yeah. He goes, thank you so much for yeah. that because nobody would have explained it to me. Yeah. And I said, they had you looking like a fool. Yeah. You know, you these are 16, 15 years old. You are supposed to be um, a- inspiring them for better. They're not supposed to be telling you how to downgrade your vocabulary and your perception. And telling a person, that's not a compliment. And I don't accept that from anybody. No one, when people tell me that, I, I always do that same thing. Like, what do you, and, they, and we have this, so I know exactly yeah. what you mean. Yeah, well, it's, you it's see, one that's of those ignorance. Things. And that's why it's yeah. so important to have diversity. Oh, yeah, you need, you need, the, you need, you need diversity. You, you have to, as I say, you have to cross that line. You have to cross the meridians into unfamiliar territory. Indeed. 
He didn't know. He was ignorant. He didn't know. No, and I, and he, we, and, he was ignorant. That's right. what I'm saying. He was ignorant. And, and we're all ignorant at some point until we know. Yeah. Until pe- and, and by the way, and here's the thing, and this is one of my friends said, as long as you're not willfully ignorant, that's why my, my girl Jesse said this, like <laughs> the willfully ignorant are mm-hmm. the ones that don't want to learn, like would have yeah. been like, well, I, I just meant it as a compliment. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to have a problem. Yeah. You're going to not talk to me anymore. It won't be a problem because we just won't have any conversation. But once after he was asking me other questions, and I was like, look, do think a little bit before you say anything next time. Because me, I think about everything I'm going to say, especially when it comes to things that I'm not sure about. Like, well, we're going to have to do a talk about this. Yeah, though. the culture is so yeah. important. That's why it's good if you have an opportunity for diversity, mm-hmm. inclusion, and you get to know people. And it broadens you. It broadens you. It opens you up to for empathy, to to. Um, to have empathy for other people. A person who's looking down, then you realize why they're looking down. You say, oh, she wasn't ignoring me. Yes. You know, oh, I understand now. And then you have a conversation. And then you're inquisitive. So you're yes. something about you that I like, and I point this out to you. Inquisitive, being inquisitive. So you may not understand something, but the fact that you ask questions. And that's, that's another problem in growth. We don't ask. That's a big thing. Ask. Did you have mentors? I'm assuming you have mentors, right, in this, in this business, or you, or you didn't? Well, I'm assuming you have. I, I didn't have. Yeah, I had mentors because I was in some groups, but right. I never had uh, official, a mentor right. or a coach okay. or whatever. So now I want to get back to your line. At some point, you set your sights to go on in these big department stores. What? How did you find out how to do it? What propelled you? Okay. And yes. Well, I, I really never was. Well, OK. After Green Acres Mall being there, um, I was approached by someone and they said, you know, I'm opening up in Kings Plaza. I would like to have a licensing of your mall. So we were in Kings Plaza Mall in Brooklyn. And then that same person went into um, uh, Albee Square Mall. By the way, I know what licensing is, but I want to make sure we explain okay, it to let's anybody. Say if yeah. a person wants to open up a store and they want to use the name Vera Moore. Boom. It's yes. their store, but it says Vera Moore because it's my product. Okay. So they license the store, license the name to say that they sell Vera Moore products. But they do that because the brand is already established. And people say, oh, I need Vera. Oh, you're, oh, you're, I saw that store in Kings Plaza. Okay, so okay. we did with Macy's, uh, not Macy's, uh, Kings Plaza, Manhattan Mall, Albee Square Mall. And then we had, a, uh, those were licensing agreements. And that lasted for a while. So that grew the brand, you know, because the brand stood on its own merit. The brand has to stand on its own merit. Then we had an opportunity to do some trunk shows for Macy's. And I'll tell you, don't despise the little things. Um, how I, they found... Well, one of the trunk shows I did was Macy's in Brooklyn. And I was supposed to only do a trunk show for a month. I did a trunk show for almost a year. Wait, what's a trunk show? Okay. I don't know what that is. Thank you for asking me. <laughs> a trunk show is, let's say a major company comes to you. They want to try you out. They said, look, it's only going to be for, for a month. We want you to go this week in um, Roosevelt Field. Set, you, you bring all your stuff. You set up a table. It's like, it's, it's a show. It's trunk, meaning that you have to move it. Then next week, we want you to go to King's Plaza. Then the next week, weekends, like Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So I did that because that gets the word out. They see if people like you. And it worked. And we did so well. They said, we want you to do a couple more months. We end up doing it a whole year, trunk show, which is unheard of. You don't do trunk show because after that, you usually go in. Well, there was a lot of things that I had to do to do the trunk show. You know, certain requirements to go into the, like, EDI is like a special catalog that you have to have if you're going into major department stores. At the end of the year, it didn't work out. We didn't get it. But during the course of that year, we spent a lot of money trying to meet the criteria, the demands that they wanted. And one of, one, one of them was barcoding. You know how you see a barcode on something? We, we were never barcoded before when I had my little store. You know, people come to the booth and grenades. I give them a shopping bag, a little, <laughs> little, little tissue paper. They buy the stuff. So we spent a lot of money, but we didn't get it. So you don't always get everything that you go after, but you go, but the experience is invaluable. So when I got an opportunity to meet Dwayne Reed, because someone said they were opening up the Look Boutique, the Look Boutique in the Walgreens and Dwayne Reed was a special section within the store that was very upscale, like a Sephora, a very special area for high-end brands in, in the store. Okay. When I first went into them, they said to me, the buyer, are you barcoded? Are you EDI? And I said, oh, my God, because I just did that with Macy's. So even so though it, I didn't so it get planned it, out, it, worked, it out. worked out. Wow. So we were in Dwayne Reed and uh, we were in uh, 30 stores in New York. And we were the only black vendor in Dwayne Reed in the look, in, in the look boutique. 
Now, I'm not saying what they had in mass market. I'm saying in this special section called the Look Boutique because they wanted to high-end it. And then Walgreens acquired Dwayne Reed, and we went national. And we're about 55 stores, you know. So that propels me to let people know, yes, it's difficult. But, who's, but you got to be unstoppable, like Les Brown says. Who, who's to say you can't do it? If you, don't be afraid. If you don't get it, you don't get it. Take that attitude. Well, I tried. I didn't. You think every audition that I went to in the theater I got? No. Right. And sometimes, oh, my God. You know, I, you know. But you keep trying. You keep honing your skills in between. And you think about what keeps me really going is to think about what can I do to show people, specifically my people, mm-hmm. how we can excel. We can make it. We are so talented, but we don't have that faith in ourselves. We don't believe in ourselves. We get, we get tired too soon. The road is rough and rocky, honey. You can go for this. Align yourself with people that are positive. Get rid of all those toxic people. Even if you have to be alone. I'm not kidding. You can make it. Because there's a lot of people out there that want to make it, that are trying to make it. Look what's happened now in the pandemic. A lot of stores have closed. Brick and, I have friends that had brick and mortar spent a lot of money, lots of money, but their stores closed. And then a lot of them, they pivoted to online. So you have to find a way, you know, find a way to make a way, as the Bible says. Right. You got to find a way and you can do it. And you mentioned something about pivoting, right? What are, what are some of the things that you've seen with people not wanting to do that? Like, cause you've been, you've been around, you've seen this landscape change multiple times over. Mm-hmm. What how are, you, how are you able to evolve with the times and, and what happens to people who are unwilling that you've seen? Any personal well, how, stories? How I was able to evolve with the times, I was still determined to make it. So you have to, look, listen, there's more than one way to skin a cat. You turn lemons into lemonade. You just guess, make up your mind. I can't give you the desire, Glenn, if you don't have it. I can be an example for you and I hope you catch on and say, you know what? Vera's doing that. Yeah, I'm going to try it too. Maybe I can do it too. Mm-hmm. You have to have that. You have to have that grit and that gut that you want to do it, you know? So that's the way I feel. But you have to have a, it has to be more than just lipstick. See, my thing is not just lipstick, powder, and paint. My thing is about self-esteem. How can I change the mindset? I want to leave something here that they'll remember me by other than, oh, Vera had great lipstick. I want them to say, you know that little old lady? Her name is Vera, and she integrated more, and she did this girl. You know, she's no here, she's no longer here with her, but I remember her. My grandmother, I love that lady. You know, mm-hmm. I, and you know what? I remember her. That's what I want. Not, That's legacy, oh, she brother. had a great legacy. Legacy. So, I don't want them to remember, oh, she had good lipstick, because you're going to have a thousand lipsticks. But not everybody's going to take the time to tell you, pull your pants up. Right. And, Old girls button up that blouse. <laughs> we don't have to right, see button all it that. Right, button it up. And legacy, and what, what other parts of legacy um, for, because I know we, we run a lot into people who they want, they say they want to do that, mm-hmm. but they're not taking the access to like You you actually talk to the people. You took time. I want to thank you for also doing this podcast with me. Oh, I'm delighted. Um, but yeah, because your voice is very, um, it's needed. And I'll say one thing that I want to bring up to you, and you talked about uh, diversity, right? Mm-hmm. So in diversity, how do we, because how do we work together with because, I mean, because you do makeup, but you do it for not just black women. We do it for everybody. Right. Listen, it's not black or white. It's green. I want to make sure. Yeah, good. So that's the thing <laughs> that I want to. Because, you know, somebody listening, they go, oh, well, she only does. No, no I, want, I do makeup for every single person. Okay. White, black, blue, red, yellow, what all made, precious in the site. So what made you decide, right, to, because mm-hmm. you could have just focused on black. What made you decide well, to be well, diverse? Well, let's put it this way. Yeah. You always have to have a niche. You have to, when you're doing, when you're an entrepreneur, you can't accommodate everybody. It's impossible. You have to have that target. You got to know your demographics, who you want to target, and where's the void. Well, my void was black people. Because a white person could go into a department store and have 22 lines to choose from. You know? Right. Black person goes, they got that one line, and it was not good. So that's where the void was. So that's when you're doing, that's how you choose what you want to do. Now, as we grew and we segued, we did people of color. Now, the reason why I say black people first, because that's where the void. A person of color is anybody other than white. Chinese person is a person of color. Asian people are a person of color. You understand what I'm saying? I wasn't catering to them because they could find maybe something in the white line. I was catering to people that only had no choice. We said, as you grow, you grow, you stay on the cutting edge, you do things. People of color. Now, white ladies call me all the time. I have a lot of white 
customers. Right. No, I, that point. Do you was, understand? That's diversity. Right. That's diversity, and and that's the point I was bringing up. And inclusion. Inclusion. Thank you. So the thing about it is. You 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 brought up a very important part, and that is niche, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't think they're trying to be. You can't be every. You can't be something to no. everybody. Everything. No. So I think that is important because that's the part where I think people fall short on not trying to. They, they they're afraid of of um of losing something, so they try to capture everything. And I like how you you kind of focused on something, mm-hmm. and then you were able to build out. Yeah, you which grow, I love. You I love how you did that up because you know. Let's take chocolate chip cookie. Mm-hmm. I'll just make that up. Why would you start a chocolate chip cookie when you got a million chocolate chip cookies when you go into a store? Unless there's something in your chocolate chip cookie that nobody knows that your great grandma, ma, ma, ma told you about it. Mm-hmm. Now you have a niche that when they bite your cookies, man, what is in this cookie? This thing is good. You see what I'm saying? I like that. It has to be what they call your unique position. What makes you so unique? And it's also about the service. You know, I have to get back to customer service. When they were coming to my booth in Green Acres Mall, they didn't have any place to go in the department store, right? The anchor store right there in the mall. They didn't have any people that said, let's put, listen, white people didn't even want to wait on you. They didn't want to wait on you. They didn't want to touch your face. They didn't want to wait on you. So how did that make you feel? How does that make you feel? That's why I'm so glad people are waking up to support your black owned businesses. How do we stay alive if you don't support us? And you talk about your community. Mm-hmm. How do you have a nice community if you don't support your own community? You go into community, all the stores are closed. Why? No support. Because all the money's going to the other community. Mm-hmm. So support your own community. It uplifts your community, uplifts your churches, mm-hmm. donate to the to, to the not-for-profits, help your community. Mm-hmm. Well, you do something, you do something that I think and and, and and it's a very touchy subject, but you do it very well. And that is you give us something to support. There are many businesses that are that are black businesses that are great like yours, but there are some that they don't treat you well when you go in there. Like I was in a I was in a um, and I won't talk bad about this mm-hmm. business. I went into a business and they sold T-shirts in Harlem mm-hmm. and I wanted a T-shirt. Mm-hmm. So I went in there to buy mm-hmm. and the lady didn't even look at me. She was just like, so she was doing everything. And, and then when I finally started to walk out, usually people, as you're walking out slowly, they go, sir, can I help you? She still didn't even say anything it's at that point. Business? Yeah. And mm-hmm. so for me, I would tell, I would say this. Um, I, people tend to go where they're, where they're treated well. Mm-hmm. So if you treat people well, it, it goes beyond even like, you don't even have to say it. Like if you treat me well and you got a white business, a black I'm gonna be, I'm gonna do business with you. Um, the same thing goes for um, when when I'm doing a podcast. There's people that say you don't you didn't you didn't you didn't interview me and I do this bit and I because you you playing in the business right. Like I if, if I if I do a, if I do a, a podcast with you, um, what does that say about somebody like Vera, right? Like so that means if you don't do everything you got to do in order to be where you want to be then that means the next person I'm going to interview is going to look at like, you interviewed that guy and you knew he didn't have his stuff together and he's not trying to. Mm-hmm. So it's not about perfection. It's about one, like I think what you offer is the way in which, in which you, you talk to people, mm-hmm. your personality, your presence. Mm-hmm. People don't understand. Um, you build friendships and then you get the client. Some exactly. people are trying to get the money first. Yes. I, like I'll be nice to you when I like, you know how many people try to be nice to me when they find out, Oh, he can help me with, that's too late. If yeah. you were nice and you tried to get the friendship, yes. the friendship, I'll find a way to put money in your pocket. Exactly. But if you come at me in a certain way, it don't matter you black or white, you come at me a certain way, you, 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 you making it difficult for me to support you. And some people come with a chip on their shoulder. They, they come, oh, he ain't got the money. So I'm gonna go to this guy who, who think he got the money. So yeah. I think we have to also be mindful when people, some people are not getting support, not because we don't want to support black business, mm-hmm. because some black people and some black businesses don't treat us well. They think like, like I had a guy one day, I had to tell him, he said, he called me my, my end. I went to a store, he called me my end, right? Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what we talking about, right? Mm-hmm. And I said, he was younger. I said, come here for a minute. Mm-hmm. I said, do you know me? And he goes, no. But I, I said, do you know me? You don't know me. I said, so the first thing is, you don't know me. You could address me as, you could ask me my name. You could call me my name. Yeah. You could call me sir. Yeah. It was a younger kid. And I said, but I'm, I'm going to tell you something. You're at a job. And if we was in the street, this might be a different conversation. Mm-hmm. So the next time you see somebody that you don't know, mm-hmm. make sure you address them. And and I was, yeah. and this is not his business, but mm-hmm. I was, I was thinking to myself, I, I didn't grow up in that. I didn't grow up with somebody 
who didn't know you calling you anything. Like yeah. I was in a store. Yeah. This was a store on 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 in on Thirty Fourth Street. Mm-hmm. He was like, "What's up, my?" Mm-hmm. I was like, I had to look behind me, Vera, yeah. and I'm and I'm and my my fear is if I don't. That's that could be a guy who's gonna go in there one day. He's gonna work. He's gonna get himself his own business, and he's gonna approach somebody, and they might not tell you that this is what's keeping you from. But like you said, it, it, it does matter that we be around certain circles. Like like you said, curiosity, understanding cultures, and even your own culture, understand that there's different types of black people that think a different way. Yeah. They look like you, but they yeah. might have been raised different. Yeah. And I think he he didn't know that. And that's he why I told ignorant. him. He, he, did, he was ignorant. So yeah. I stopped him. He was like, yeah. it looked like you're you going to tell my manager. No, no, no. This ain't about your manager. Right. This is about you, you personally. Yeah. You're going to hurt yourself yeah. doing that because it'll keep you from. There's so many people I think are so brilliant, but the way they, the way in which they carry themselves and, and wanting to be willfully with a willfully ignorant, mm-hmm. they're getting too willfully old to ignorant. a point where I can't, I can't call you a young man anymore. Exactly. You, 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 you going to, I'm talking about, I have people I know 30 plus still doing what the things that you were talking about, pants down the end of every five seconds, calling women like out, like when last time you seen a person, a grown up with, with a car in the street with the doors open, calling to women in the street and you are grown up you got you 40 mm-hmm. a 20 year old 15 year old maybe i'll but somebody a certain age i'm like come on what are we doing so i think we have to just be mindful of how we and so i want to i want to ask you this last one um i love this question if you give me one thing oh one thing oh wow okay. you can give me more than one thing no, I can't one thing one that you thing. wish that you would have known um, the younger, the younger Vera Moore, that you could, you could learn, that you could tell yourself now. You know how sometimes when you're younger, yeah. you had a certain yeah. thing. Yeah. What would you, what would the younger Vera say to the older Vera? Like, you were doing something that was cool. Keep doing that. Yeah. I well, want to hear well, what that is. You mean either or, bad or good? Bad or good. Yeah. Well, first of all, I want to compliment the the younger Vera that you listened to your mom. I know I'm sounding old school in that, but you asked the question that I listened. Now, I wasn't perfect child by no means, you know that, but I listened and I wasn't afraid. Now, from a business perspective, I tell everybody that has a business, you got to have a business plan. I didn't have one. You got it. It was your roadmap. I mean, I went to Africa, I went to France, I went to Germany. I shouldn't have been going all those places. I should have stayed right here in the United States and made money. Do you understand what I'm saying? Didn't have a business plan. So I'm saying that anybody that's an entrepreneur, take your time and do your due diligence. There's so many opportunities that you can go. It doesn't have to cost you a lot of money. You can go to, you know, colleges have small business development centers. They got stuff all over the place to help you. Get your business plan. Get your finances in order. Don't be all over the place. Stay focused and you'll make it. So that's, that's, I wish I had done more. That was just only through the grace of God. I but you did so much. Like, I, I'm I got to so make it, but you know what I'm saying? I wish I had, <laughs> really? you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty but, cool. But what I did was, say I went to school at night because mm. I worked. I had to work. We didn't right. have, you know, I had to help my mom and dad. You know, I had to work. Even though I was the seventh child, seventh, you know, there's always one kid that does everything. And that's a whole nother story. That's, that's a, a whole, whole nother, nother story. A whole nother podcast. So, um, and, and mm. you know. My father, and that's another podcast. We'll get, we'll talk about that another time because I'm going to put that in my book. My father was paralyzed for seven years. He died at 99, and my mother had stroke, and she lost her voice. So I took care of my parents. My business is 41 years old, but 15 out of years, 15 of those years, I, I just devoted myself to taking care of my family. You know, because the love that I had and how she loved me so dearly. You know, so. You got to have that mindset. You got to make up in your mind you want to do it. And you got to work hard. Mm. It's not easy. Look, you got a lot of competition out there. But no one is you. There's only one fingerprint. It's only you. So you can be unstoppable. You can. You can do this. But you can't give up. You have to say, I'm going to do this and make a plan. You have to have a strategy. Now, how am I going to do it? You have a plan as to what you want to do. Then you say, well, now how am I going to do this, right? And it's not easy. It's, there I go with makeup. It's not like makeover. A makeover, you sit down in the chair in a department store, wherever you are, Vera Moore, it's instant gratification. Bam, you're beautiful. That's not the way it is in entrepreneurship. It's a process. Well, I got one. I lied. I got one more question for you. That's okay. What advice would you give 
for an entrepreneur um, because you've been given such many, so many nuggets. I want to pull this last one. And you mentioned about people thinking that it was easy mm-hmm. and then also not having a plan. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things, some of the tools that you recommend for you recommend writing it down? Do you think um, consult like any, anything you can, you can point them to so they have something. Well, you know what I think, um, you know what I think is really important. You can, you can journal, you can write it down, but you got to read the journal. Yeah, I wrote that down. Have you, have you revisited the journal today? You're not consistent. It's consistency. But you know what's very important if you really want to be an entrepreneur? You're not ready, but you want to get ready. Work for someone in the field, the career that you want to go in. Be a sponge. For example, let's say you want to work for something. I don't know. You, you want to be a hairdresser. I'm just saying that. So you go work for a lady that's a hairdresser, owns a hairdresser, that owns a hair salon. But your mindset has to be, you're not going to go in there and say, oh, I'm just working for, I'm just working for Glenn, but I really don't want to be here. I just need this gig to pay my, no, 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 no. You're going to work for Glenn in that hair salon like you own it. You're going to be a sponge. And every single thing that Glenn tells you, you're going to listen and you're going to learn and you're going to do it. You're going to work as though it is yours. And this is what I tell everybody. People say, well, I, you know, I work this part-time gig to make this money. No, no, no. You're working it. You're being on time. Do what he tells you to do. Have integrity. Be honest. Be consistent. And then when you leave there, you're ready. Right. Because you're going back into your own hair salon. So you got all those pearls from Glenn. Because you worked it and you saw the pitfalls, you saw the challenges, you saw the ups and downs, and you worked with them. You were there right there with them. So when you work, listen, that's more, that's better than education in a book. Because everything in a book, you know, you don't get wisdom from a book. You get education from a book. Wisdom is based on experience. Mm, and so you have to, and, and oh wow, wisdom is knowledge applied. You have to apply the knowledge yes, that you've learned. that you've had, and then you That's, become wise. But I like that. you don't become wise just because you graduated from college. Don't There's a know. lot of educated fools out there, you know. <laughs> you can say that. But you know what I'm saying? What I'm saying? I'm I know what you mean. You, you can, listen, my mother, third grade education, father couldn't read. Wise, wisdom, guidance, you know, just led me just what I wouldn't have made it without that because that's what I drew on. Anytime there'd be a conflict, a mental, I think about my mother said, don't worry about it. You can do it. If you don't make it, you don't make it. Try again. That's beautiful. Yeah. Vera, I love it. (laughs) I could sit here with her for hours. Vera, I want to thank you. This has been a great interview. I'm glad that I came out to see you because it was, like I told you, it was, I knew it was worth the trip before I came here, but now sitting with you, (laughs) I could honestly say that you dropped so much in terms of like giving. And that's one of the things that resonated really quickly with me and meeting you. A lot of people say stuff and then, you know, you were like, just call me. And I love that I didn't talk to an assistant, which I would have totally been okay with. But the fact that I got to the, the lady in charge uh, made me feel very special. So thank you. And, well, and, thank and for you being so here. much. Thank you so much for affording me the opportunity to beat you in person. Yeah. And uh, we'll do this again. Yes. Thank you, Vera. Thank you. And where can people find you? I want to, you got a website. We got an Instagram. Thank you. Please go to veramorecosmetics.com or at veramorecos on our website. And, um, you know, I'm going to do something special for your your people. Anybody that mentions Glenn, I'm going to give them 25% off. Oh, I like that. So I'm going to put that code in. Just say Glenn, 25%. (laughs) Actually, put 9-5 killers. Okay, I'll put 9-5 killers. He'll tell me what to put. Nine, 95 killers. Yes. That's what I'm going to put. 95 killers. Yes. 25% off. Wow. I like that. And I'm going to put, I'm going to put, I'm going to put a little ad up on my page Good. about that. That's Vera. I really appreciate it once again. And also don't, your Instagram is what? Instagram at Vera more cause. Vera more cause. And, and by the way, guys, we're going to, I'm going to, now that um, clubhouse has oh, yeah. Android, me and Vera is going to do a live event together when when her episode comes out in a few weeks and so if you're there we're going to be giving out that little promotion there and maybe we'll do a giveaway yes i'll get her to do a little giveaway and i might do a giveaway but you're gonna get knowledge coming to you now what's that mother's day is on the way oh yeah mother's day is every day so man right just like (laughs) happy birthdays every day every day is a new birth every day is a new birth so vera thank you so much i had a blast and i'm looking forward to our live together thank you very much i appreciate it all right Thanks once again for tuning into the 95 Killers podcast. You can now visit us on our website at 95killers.com. We truly appreciate your continued support. 
Take care of yourself and your families and keep killing those comfort zones. Until next time, peace. to five killers podcast is now available for your listening pleasure on spotify apple podcast and stitcher